We live in a world where women journalists face intimidation, harassment and threats, simply for doing their work. I'm Teresa Ribeiro, I'm the representative for freedom of the media uh, here in the OSCE. Women journalists face uh, a distinct risk and a double button uh, as women and as uh, journalists. A new study uh, by UNESCO and the International Center for Journalists found that nearly three quarters of women journalists say that they have experienced uh, online abuse. And this is really, really very concerning. My name is Florence Henault. I'm a freelance journalist and for 10 years I worked for the Belgian public service uh, radio and television. And uh, I'm Miriam. I'm a writer and a journalist. I co-directed the movie Fatal Islet with my dear friend Florence Henault. It's, it's a full-time job to be a woman and, and to be an harassed woman. Um, and this is exactly what, what all the women we spoke uh, to are experiencing. Uh, the climate of violence against women on the internet has a very concrete effect on all women who observe it. Yeah, this is a man's world as it <laughs> used to be. Uh, it's more than, uh, yeah, more than 50% of the humanity of humanity doesn't of a word. In 2021 and 2022, a total of seven women journalists were killed around the world, according to IPI's Death Watch. In four of the seven cases, there are strong indications that the journalists were targeted as a consequence of their gender. While killing remains the most horrific way of silencing a journalist, Female reporters across the globe also suffer from harassment and gender-based intimidation for simply doing their work. For example, Samira Attila, a Belgian justice journalist, has been a continuous target of online intimidation and threats, as she told MFRR last month. It's very difficult for me at this point. My situation is very bad. Um, I cannot do my job anymore as I should uh, do. Um, I am... It has a, a very big impact on my daily life um, because um, I feel a lot of stress every time I publish something. I'm often afraid when I publish articles. Uh, I cannot go to demonstrations, demonstrations in Brussels as a journalist anymore because I'm afraid they will, people will attack me. Um, I just basically am hunted um, and that's not a nice feeling. In this podcast, I want to find out what is it like to report as a woman journalist in 2022? And in particular, what is it like to report on crisis situations like the Russian war against Ukraine as a woman journalist? I'm your host, Anne Tarele. Advocacy Officer at the International Press Institute, a partner organization of the Media Freedom Rapid Response, or MFRR. 
a consortium of organizations dedicated to defending media freedom in the European Union and candidate countries. To discuss the important work of women journalists all around the world, I'll speak with Kira Nazish, a journalist from Pakistan and the founding director of the Coalition for Women in Journalism, or CFWIJ, a global support and advocacy organization for women journalists, especially those in repressive countries, supporting the safety, well-being and growth of women journalists. I will also speak to Sitara Talia Ambrosio, a German photojournalist who focuses on international issues related to women, climate change, migration and human rights violations. Currently, she is at the Polish-Ukrainian border, where she reports on the humanitarian catastrophe unfolding as a result of the Russian war against Ukraine. With her, I'll talk about what it's like to be a woman reporter in times of crisis. You're listening to the newest episode of our monthly podcast, MFRR in Focus. Hi, Kiran. Thank you for joining us. Established in March 2017, the coalition became the first non-profit to offer mentorship to women journalists from both Western and non-Western countries. Later, the coalition became an advocacy organization for press freedom as well. Could you share a bit more about the work you do? Thank you. Um, yeah, we started a, as um, a you know, mentorship organization for mid-career women journalists. And that was because at the time... Uh, we we saw that women journalists, this is before Me Too, um, the conversation around Me Too, and a lot of um, things that were really, uh, revealed in the Me Too campaign around the world, in, in New York, but also, you know, across the world. Um, and um, so we launched a, a mentorship organization before that because we were seeing the same problems, sexual harassment, discrimination, uh, gender inequity. I was at the New York Times when Jill Abramson was fired um, and, and I saw the circumstances as well as what happened after and how people reacted within the newsroom. And it was very clear that women journalists, you know, whatever level they were in in the industry, they did not have equal treatment and equal resources, which led to a lot of other problems that we see today women facing in journalism. Um, you know, whether they're on the front line or inside the newsroom, whether it has to do with gender pay gap or it has to do with finding safety resources on the front line of conflict when they're covering conflict. Um, so we basically, in, in, in January 2019, we launched the press freedom or, um, part of our organization uh, in which we do press freedom advocacy. We, we already found ourselves caught up. By 2018, we were caught up trying to support press freedom related cases for women journalists and working over and beyond our mentorship uh, mandate. And we officially launched the press freedom advocacy in January 2019, which is uh, which also one of the components of that is our press freedom newsroom um, that now covers um, 128 countries and looks at violation monitors violations and harassments of women journalists in all kinds of ways. In February 2022, the Coalition for Women in Journalism documented 33 cases of violations against women journalists. Could you tell me more about these violations? So, you know, over the years, we've seen an, a completely increase of violations against women journalists. And, and, and this is something that was heightened during the pandemic, Black Lives Matter, any kind of polit massive political changes. And as you've seen in the last two years, there have been massive political changes in a lot of countries. 
and and i think i'll answer your question like this you know like are these different what happens is what we have noted in all of our documentation of violations against women and lgbtq journalists is whenever there's a massive political change anywhere in the world is there if there's a political event if there are uh women uh, sorry any any kind of like uh things that are politically changing in a landscape we see that women journalists are often targeted more frequently or differently and so when women are working in the field and are working as a journalist they experience harassment differently either it is more harassment when it comes to online trolling definitely we see uh you know uh, and a significant difference about uh, on how much more women journalists get targeted uh, depending on which country you're in uh you know women journalists get targeted uh you know 60 to 90% more depending on the country one example that might be you know easy to understand for everyone is you know maria ressa for example when she when she was being targeted and is being targeted in the philippines along with maria and in the rappler newsroom and beyond the rappler newsroom whenever we look at journalists in the philippines being targeted we do see at least 80% more uh of vicious trolling against women in the newsroom whether it's cnn ibn or it's rappler or any other newsroom in the philippines similar uh, similar data on pakistan where you know when there is a change of leadership there's election or any other kind of thing going on when for example when panama papers came out journalists who were covering panama papers in pakistan women were targeted significantly more um than men and then when it came to online trolling they were targeted more women journalists leading women journalists in pakistan were also threatened um as well uh, during these revelations of panama papers so so that's just an example like when you look at world events covid-19 black lives matter we do see an increase of violations online and offline to what extent do these violations differ from problems male journalists experience So I will say that let's answer this question in a little bit I will answer this question a little differently right so when repressive states want to target press freedom they think it becomes easier for them to target women why because when they target women when they say for example there's a misinformation campaign against women a woman journalist is a traitor when barkha dot in india is called a traitor Uh, so the momentum that leaders are getting to target women journalists is is much greater than men so they're targeting women more and then when it comes to women journalists majority of women journalists are freelancers by the way you know in our work that we see majority of women journalists on the front line uh, covering you know any like from villages to small cities to big cities to you know um international reporting women journalists are majority of them are freelancers and when they're freelancers they don't have support systems and when they don't have support systems yes they have to try make a choice between whether they will self censor or not so they do have to navigate the landscape very carefully and it's stressful it's hard for their mental health and it at the end of the day it affects journalism and it affects press freedom you know in in a, in a country and around the world regarding russia's war against ukraine In times of crisis are women journalists affected differently than men and if so how 
so it, it it kind of this is like a, my previous answer is a little bit plugged into this is that yes women do feel like women journalists are targeted differently everywhere in the world and we've seen it everywhere let's talk about eastern europe eastern europe was it has been in the last one and a half year there's a lot that has happened from belarus to poland um you know uh, and and what we see uh is that uh women journalists are targeted differently they're taken to in, in police violence police treats them differently when they're put into prison they're treated differently inside prison we have a lot of examples we've reported this we reported this uh, we report these things on a daily basis and then coming to russia and you know how russia russia's war on ukraine and how women journalists are covering so this was a very for a lot of journalists who were outside and you know inside of Ukraine at the time who have covered Ukraine for decades, everyone was surprised, everyone was taken aback. So what we saw is that all the, when it comes to journalists, journalists like civilians, everyone was caught up suddenly being, you know, in, in, in an aggression that Russia was imposing on Ukraine and is imposing on Ukraine. And we saw that women journalists who were covering, they were, you know, depending on who they were, if they're a lot of international journalists have continued to cover the story. We have seen uh, some examples that some journalists we know who have wanted to get out of the country. Um, and there have been many dif different um, circumstances. For example, a female journalist with uh, one of her child had a lot of difficulty, you know, carrying her child, uh, you know, on trains. She couldn't find a train. Um, there was another female journalist also with a child. She had to be in inside a bunker and it, for her it was different. Uh, she was also trying to report. She's a freelance journalist and she was trying to report uh, from inside a bu bunker with a, with a scared child on her own. Um, we have seen certain examples where we think that, oh, you know, it was, it's harder for women. What can we do to support women journalists, either as readers, fellow journalists or press freedom organizations? So, you know, one thing that we can do is make an active effort to read women bylines and share women bylines and share their work. Um, and one thing that I want to say is to reveal a challenge, which will also reveal an opportunity for, for people to support. The challenge is a lot of times women journalists also who, who report in the mainstream media are more likely to be read. But the most vulnerable women journalists are the ones who are working for local media in local languages and they don't have access to great readership and hence they don't have access to a lot of resources and recognitions and acknowledgement so that this all of all of this is linked um when women journalists report for a local press um which is not very well read or well known they don't also get paid equally they don't get paid in the right amount as well as don't have the right resources when they need it so you know to, to support women journalists we, we should know that a lot of women journalists are just working for medias that are not mainstream and we need to make an active effort to support them as well russia's military invasion of ukraine has shocked many people Since the start of the war, many press freedom violations have been reported and disinformation has been spread over the internet, severely complicating the work of journalists. At least four media workers have been killed since the invasion of Ukraine. One of them was Alexandra Kushinova, who was working as a local producer for Fox News on the ground during the course of the Russian invasion. She was only 24 years old. 
The war has also led to a horrifying refugee crisis as many Ukrainians are trying to escape their country, searching for safety. What is it like to report on this crisis as a woman journalist? I talked about it with Citaria Ambrosio, a photojournalist from Germany who is reporting on the war at the Polish-Ukrainian border. Hi Citara, thank you for joining us. Could you tell us a bit more about where you are at the moment and what you are doing there? Hello, um, yeah, nice that I have, oh, I can join the podcast. So I'm jointly working with a team of other freelancers on the Ukrainian-Polish border and in the Ukrainian city of Lviv. Um, together, for example, we produce a multimedia piece about the Jewish community in Lviv for a German editorial network. And um, also in our work, we keep a special eye on discriminated people, um, such as currently BIPOC, who are systematically discriminated when they flee to Ukraine. So, yeah, I'm working between Poland and Ukraine. And how have those past weeks been for you as a photographer? What have you seen and learned? Oh, well, <laughs> what a question. So, enough. I mean, the first few days at the train station in Poland, like people arriving, crying and falling into the arms of their friends and families. And um, I can hardly put it into words what this attacks means to millions of people. Meanwhile, people also arriving from cities, they are already being attacked. So the mood has changed the last week. So you can see now this collectively shocked like for the two weeks now you having been working around the like the time of the war in Ukraine and um, in Lviv the Jewish community is preparing for the attacks and is bringing the members to safety and yeah you know I see all this like I see it but it's really hard to understand so many people like leaving the country and um, one of the saddest moments I experienced was at the border checkpoint. So me and my team was on the way back to Poland from Ukraine and um, the car in front of us, uh, they stopped, they get stopped by military and, um, and the border guards pulled a young man out of the car and he had to go back to Ukraine because he's obligated by law to stay in the country. And um, his mother cried and crashed into tears and the younger son tried to comfort her. And oh, it was really, really hard to see it. And um, it's also really, really crazy to see, really sad to see that all the fleeing women are also not necessarily safe on the other side of the border in Poland. Because not of all the supposedly helpful people offering rights and shelters um, are who they say they are. There are reports of men who try to take advantage of the neatness and helpfulness of women who have fled, for example, want sex in return of their supposed help. So volunteers also report that single men have approach young women or children traveling alone to Germany's train stations 
in order to lure them to their home and exchange for money or work for the housing. Like, yeah, it's really crazy and bad situation. As this podcast is on women in journalism, we would like to learn more about what it's like to report on crises as a woman. How does being a woman affect the decisions you make as a photographer? I mean, like, uh, there's no situation in which gender does no matter. So, like, female journalists are under even more pressure to prove their skills. They are usually outnumbered, experience more, had head rate on the internet of their reports are published or it's often little things that I have to think about it too so for example when I send out the pictures in the evening I usually add please don't forget to credit me why because I have often the experience that the name of the woman is not managed especially if the rest of the team is male so I have to think about more things that my man colleagues Yeah, my gender always in like influences the decision I make. I mean, both in everyday life and my job, but it's hard to separate the two things. For example, I always try to uh, appear very confident in difficult situations. So I have to be careful not to make myself even more vulnerable as a woman. Male colleagues are already photographing situation and I have to look around for for my own safety. I can tell you one example. A week ago, we interviewed a volunteer fighter at the train station in Lviv in Ukraine. And um, I had started asking questions and it's become clearly quickly that he didn't take me really serious. And I hand over the interview to a male colleague. And now I'm sure some, some people will say, Did you assert yourself enough? But like, that's nonsense. You come, you come across this situation everywhere as a woman. So um, yeah, it's really hard. Like also editors take you, take you serious. And during crisis situations like these, are there more safety precautions that you're taking? Mm, I think so. Yeah, because like the job as a, as a, crisis like as a journalist we're working in crisis or wars they was the last years it was a job for for minds you know like um we have this picture from from like really strong men photographers or really strong men journalists were reporting from the war and i think this is like already in the head of of many peoples and also in the head of like editors Also, I mean, if you you work freelance, you you have to be you you need money for it. So it's a in order to be able to protect yourself in the best possibility. So we need editors who are willing to cover us and pay us fairly and fix us and translations are cost factors and they are enormously high and that journalists often have to bear themselves and especially freelance journalists to have to get by with like little means in the main dangerous situation. And this is a big problem also, especially for women. So working conditions for women are difficult. Being as a woman is still, yeah, associated with stereotypes such incompetence, like or passivity and powerlessness. 
So um, yeah, this is also be seen in our editorial department, which is more often assigned men, especially when it comes to report from war and crisis areas. What are your plans for the next few days or weeks? Will you continue photographing at the border? Um, the plan for the next week is like, <laughs> it's kind of messy to to say really sure what we have to do the next weeks because we have to see how the war is going and how the situation on the border. Um, but the the plan for the next days is that we drive back to Lviv on Sunday so back in the Ukraine, we like have the possibility to cover a story about the family there. So we can like join them for a week and make a documentary. How is the life uh, for the people in Lviv now? Because it's like, yeah, it's it's like crazy the situation in the in the city there because a lot of people trying to leave the country and the train station there is really full of thousands of people who are trying to leave the country with the train but also they are not it's not a fighting area so you have kind of like a normal normally life there so people go to school and people going to make party on the weekend and also you have all the military there they start to build checkpoints and start to prepare the city for the fight. So this is really interesting. And yeah, it will be like, it will be a good story to to cover daily life of a family there and how it works to live in the city now and how are the wishes of the people and yeah, stuff like this. As we've heard, women journalists face many challenges in their work, such as harassment, intimidation and threats, both offline and online. And they are arguably targeted more often than their male colleagues. Women journalists especially face such gender-based violence in times of political turmoil. As both Kira Nazish and Sitara Ambrosio told me, women journalists are more often working as freelancers than men journalists. Because of this, they more often work alone and have less access to support mechanisms, such as support from employers or colleagues, but also access to special safety equipment. In times of war and crisis, like we are now, this is even more problematic. As Sitara told me, women journalists reporting on crisis are sometimes being taken less seriously, which can lead to real-life aggravated risks. In times of war, we should give extra attention to the safety of women journalists to make sure they can continue their important work. You've been listening to MFRR in Focus, a podcast which explores different issues facing media freedom in EU member states and candidate countries. The MFRR tracks, monitors and reacts to violations of press freedom, conducts advocacy and provides legal and practical support to protect journalists and media workers. The MFRR is a consortium led by the European Centre for Press and Media Freedom and includes Article 19, 
the European Federation of Journalists, Free Press Unlimited, the International Press Institute and Osservatorio Balkani e Caucaso Transeuropa. The project is funded by the European Commission. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode of the MFRR in Focus.